With sports car racing news and analysis from around the globe, this is the Double Stint Podcast. Here's John DeGeese and Ryan Marine. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Double Stint, Sports Car 365 Sports Car Racing Podcast in Indianapolis. I'm Ryan Marine. John DeGeese joining me from Chicago. We did have some sports car racing over the weekend with Super GT in action. It was a Toyota-dominated affair, and our Dan Lloyd had the story on how that race played out at Okayama. So if you're curious, check that out, along with the weekly racing roundup with news and notes from around the sports car racing world, some results as well as news in that as ever. So check that out up at sportscar365.com. We've got a ton of racing to look ahead to this weekend, and we'll do that at the end of the show. But before we get to that and and the questions that have come in, uh, let's talk news of the week in sports car racing. And we'll start with IMSA and adjustment once again to the schedule, which sees the expected omission of the trip to Canada for the second consecutive year. Canadian Tire Motorsport Park will not host a round of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and it has been replaced now, John, by a second event at Watkins Glen, which uh, was already due to host an event uh, the prior weekend. So back-to-back for Watkins Glen, an interesting solution. What do you make of it? Yeah, I, there had been rumors of this for a little while, and, and I think actually one of our listeners asked this question on the show a, a few weeks back, you know, posing the question, hey, could there be a second Watkins Glen race maybe run on the short course? Unfortunately, this that is, this is not going to be on the short course. I, I had inquired to IMSA about it, you know, and quite frankly, it would have been kind of cool to see mm-hmm. a little variation in between the two events. I don't know the actual reason why it's not, or maybe they never really had considered it, but nonetheless, it'll be run on the full course as in, as the six hours at a Glen will be, I think five days prior, this will be a Friday evening race. Um, the prototype challenge and Michelin pilot challenge will also, also race on Friday, um, in a really big festival of a day, I think, um, July 2nd. And I, in reality, it does make sense because from a cost perspective, um, teams can stay at the facility. They don't have to leave. Um, it's not going to a new track that are, that are unknown to. And also for the fans, this sort of makes up for the canceled race at Watkins Glen last year. So, you know, now you get two for two for one. I don't think it's two for the price of one, but um, still more action at, at the Glen is always a good thing. Why the Friday evening race time is this trying to latch on to an existing race uh, date that the that the track already had on the books i believe there was an scca event planned for the weekend for saturday sunday so imsa has worked with scca to accommodate uh, that pre-existing event so i think that's why we're seeing the imsa race on a friday night um, I'm not so sure if that's TV related or not, but I believe that's the reason. More about what was already existing on the Watkins Glen event schedule that weekend. What do we make of the implications of this specifically for the CTMP round on the calendar? Because I think conventional wisdom says if an event doesn't happen for two years in a row, you kind of risk perhaps losing some of the built-up date equity and and just that expectation of that event happening on the calendar. It seems to me that this particular one is somewhat insulated from that. I think the series has a desire to be in Canada, and this is the most logical place to go. But is there any reason to be concerned about long-term implications from missing this, uh, this trip to Canada two consecutive years? 
I don't think so, Ryan. Um, uh, if it was a street course, I would say for sure. You know, um, when you don't hold an event for a couple of years in, you know, as a street race, I, I think that really leaves it up to the, you know, it, it puts things in jeopardy. I don't know if Long Beach would be in jeopardy if, if it would be canceled again this year. We don't know. It's been rescheduled to September. Um, I think all signs are pointing towards it happening, but. Um, just say a what if situation. I think Long Beach would probably be the exception, but um, for a, an established venue like CTMP, you know the the ownership um, led by Ron Fellows, um, its great relationship with the ALMS days when Don Panos owned it. I, I I don't see it being a question for the future. I think it really does come down to log- logistics and the and the and the border closures right now that is prohibiting racing. Um, you know, from going north of the border and you're looking at all the series are in the process of canceling races. I think the only Canadian event for international racing right now on the calendar, um, maybe F1 is with Montreal. I mm-hmm. actually don't know about that, but um, the, in, the Indy Toronto event uh, in, in July, which I've, I've heard is probably in question as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think it really is just a case of COVID right now, and and I think we can expect it to be back on the calendar in 22. Yeah, the only other thing I could think of is the NASCAR Truck Series goes up to CTMP, and as far ah, as I'm right. aware, that has not been postponed at the moment, but I think that too is being evaluated, and I'm hearing some of the same things you are. I was up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway last week for the, the open test there uh, for the IndyCar Series, and so Toronto came up and just in case some of our listeners might be curious, I, I've been hearing the same thing, that you might expect to see a doubleheader on a Green Savory racing weekend, so mid-Ohio or Portland or something like that, to make up for a potential loss of Toronto, which does have some sports car implications. Certainly we've seen sports car series race there in the past, but a little bit off the beaten path for us here on uh, this podcast. So from there we move on to a busy period of time for driver and team announcements from both the WEC and the ELMS, which I suppose signals that we are awfully close to both of those seasons getting underway. European Le Mans Series starting this weekend. What uh, announcement stood out to you, John, as noteworthy or particularly interesting as we get a better sense for the grid Uh, for both of those series for the upcoming season? Well, I think Porsche um, confirming their third drivers for the 24 hours of Le Mans and the eight hours of Portimao, which will be the second round of the WEC season. We're going to see Fred McAvecki and Michael Christensen join the team. Christensen has been booted out of the team from a full season ride. Neil Johnny is replacing him in that um, capacity, but it's good to see him it's good to see Michael still on board for at least two races in the WEC season, possibly three, because the season finale in Bahrain is also an eight-hour, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Um, also, Alex Lynn has been confirmed at United Autosports for the 24 Hours of Le Mans. This will be in the team's third car, I believe, alongside Paul DeResta. Um, that makes for an extremely strong lineup um, in that car um, as that team looks to go for back-to-back wins in LMP2. And there's also been a flurry of other announcements, mainly in ELMS with Proton Competition, um, um, Iron Links having a late race, late uh, driver change there, and other odds and ends. You could all check those up on Sports Car 365. Yes, exactly. Plenty of announcements to be found up on the website 
as we get closer to the start of the season. And, of course, we also did have, as we're recording this uh, earlier today, results out of the first day of the prologue test. Um, I don't know, John, if, if you've had a chance to look at any of those results from uh, from earlier today, testing at, uh, it would have been Barcelona. Yes, indeed. Um, anything that, that you had a chance to look at from earlier on, knowing that, that we'll be seeing uh, perhaps some more times coming in later? Yeah, Luis uh, Delatra has set the time in the uh, opening day of the of the two day prologue test on Monday um, in the WRT Orica, and this is great to see the WRT team jumping on board and fully embracing the prototype racing. We'll be seeing them in both WEC and ELMS this year. Um, we also saw some other notable names uh, topping the time charts on Monday, including um, Haas Formula One reserve driver Pietro Fittipaldi, as well as Ricky Taylor, um, who was second quickest uh, in the second session. He was third quickest overall on the day in the Dragon Speed Orca. Ricky's making a cameo appearance with the team. I believe it's just a one-off um, uh, with Dragon Speed over for the first round in Barcelona, which is great to see him get some more European uh, sports car experience. So, I'm um, looking forward to following all the action this week in, in Barcelona and including the season opener in just a few days. I was kind of surprised to see Pietro's name. He was just in Indy uh, testing the Indy car for the first time at IMS and had to obviously jump on a flight pretty quick to get over to Barcelona for that and was right up to speed right away. And I thought the WRT news was particularly interesting as well because this is one of so many of these established GT teams making the transition into prototype racing, most likely or almost certainly with an eye on either LMH or LMDH down the road. And it shows that a quality organization is a quality organization, no matter what type of car it's running. And uh, we'll have more on uh, another team that made some news here recently coming from the GT ranks and switching with an eye on a prototype future coming up in just a little bit, but it is really interesting to see how quickly that, that Belgian team has wrapped their heads around LMP2, and uh, I expect that sends a message to the rest of the paddock that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yes, it's just testing, but it they didn't waste any time getting up to speed, did they? No, not at all, and like you said, I think WRT, Phoenix, those two teams in particular, they have their sights set on an Audi LMDH program, and we know... The, the, the structure of the LMDH program from Audi will very much be like what GT3 is. So it's almost safe to assume these these teams are preparing for Audi's LMDH arrival and running those cars as semi-works or customer operations. So quite personally, it, personally, it's quite exciting to see this sort of happen right now and seeing the likes of Phoenix and WRT gain experience in LMP2 machinery ahead of 2023. When I teased it a moment ago, let's just get into the news that Black Falcon now is going to be involved in prototype racing starting on uh, the LMP3 side of things. But this is another team, I think, that, that sees similar opportunities perhaps opening up in the future and therefore sees the benefit of a uh, of getting that prototype experience right now. Exactly. Um, a longtime Mercedes uh, AMG customer, um, factory affiliated team that actually sort of shifted gears during the winter. Um, the, their big GT3 program ended up getting absorbed by the new Haupt racing team, Hubert Haupt, um, forming his own organization. And a lot of the staff from Black Falcon moved over to um, HRT. And, um, but, uh, 
Black Falcon has still been running Porsches in, in NLS competition and some other series, I believe, in Germany. And they've decided to now expand into the Michelin Le Mans Cup with a LMP3 entry. And also they also um, have interest from a, for additional entries later in the year, apparently. So um, here's another team, another example of trying to plan for the future. Um, I don't know if we can really put a manufacturer association on them just yet. You know, Porsche would maybe make the obvious choice, but we're not really sure what the Porsche structure will be with customer cars right now. Um, there's a lot in flux right now in, in LMDH in terms of the Volkswagen group and everything going on over there. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But um, yeah, it's a, yet another team putting their hat into the ring for a, a prototype future. And bringing the news back stateside then, some interesting news out of Lime Rock Park, which had been owned for the past 37 years by Skip Barber of Skip Barber Racing School fame, but also an accomplished driver in his own right. But uh, there has been a change in ownership, and Skip will remain a significant owner, but there's been a, a group that is is known as Lime Rock Group LLC that has uh, purchased the facility what do you make of this development and what it could mean for Lime Rock moving forward? Yeah, this has been something that's been in the works for quite a few years. Um, a lot of stop starts. Um, it just not things things that didn't ultimately materialize. And now finally it has um, a new consortium, as you said, under the name of Lime Rock Group LLC. Um, they will now be the ownership of the, the facility and Skip becomes a, a part of that. We don't know exactly how much. It's quoted significant owner, as you said, Ryan. Um, we don't believe that's a majority ownership. We believe others might have a – there might be one that might have a majority ownership. We're not exactly sure. But it includes um, people such as Charles Mallory, Dickie Regal, and Bill Ruckert, along with a group of private investors – um, one which we actually we found out was Parker Klingerman yeah. of of NBC Sports fame and driver of in, in his own right. So um, interesting to see some some drivers and 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 commentators or, or whatnot give, sort of giving back to the sport in a way. Who knows? Um, there might be some others that are sort of being silent right now in, in this partnership. So um, exciting to see a, a new set of owners and, and, and what that could bring to this facility. By all accounts, it's a group of people who are very enthusiastic, not just about auto racing, but Lime Rock specifically. And you mentioned Parker. I saw his uh, tweet basically uh, announcing that he was involved in this in a small capacity. But if I'm not mistaken, he's from Connecticut. If he's not, he's from the Northeast somewhere and I believe has a lot of history going to Lime Rock as a fan in his youth. So like you said, it's it's neat to see people kind of giving back to a track that has meant so much to so many over the years and uh, really exciting to, to see what, what this could mean. And, you know, it's, a, it's an esteemed track in a lot of ways. There are Parts of it, I think it's safe to say, that might be in need of a slight facelift. And, and maybe this is something that does bring a little bit of extra boost from a financial perspective to the equation to help to make sure Lime Rock remains a viable option for high-level professional sports car racing into the, the long-term future. Yeah, I would agree for sure. You know, the the track itself is 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 mega. Um, I've actually been racing on it and I racing this past week. <laughs> yes, it's been a it's been a lot of fun actually running the full uh, the, the the classic layout with the big jump. You know, going over um, and, and avoiding the the chicane and the the second part of the track and um, just makes me 
think of how how awesome that facility is and great to see some new leadership in 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 in, uh, in the reins yep you could check out more on that story plus all the others we discussed and i'm sure by the time you're listening to this we'll have more stories up on sportscar365.com that you can uh, make sure that uh, that you check out stay on top of the latest in all of sports car racing news we do have one listener question that came in this week and it's from eddie c and it goes back to our previous conversation about the replacement of the CTMP round to some degree, just in the in the from the perspective of the difficulty with border crossings right now from the U.S. to Canada, and Eddie wants to know how come all major racing series seem to be canceling their races in Canada, yet teams like R Ferry and Ferrari Challenge or IMSA teams like FAF uh, Motorsports in Action and AWA are able to race in the U.S. and still run out of Canada. How can they quarantine for every race, or is there a loophole that they are exploiting? Well, I think each team has probably different strategies, and I don't want to divulge into this too deeply because it may cause some issues, but um, we do know um, some teams like uh, FAF, for instance, have hired a majority staff of U.S. crew members for this year. Um, They were actually even looking at perhaps making a base out here in the U.S., um, I think on the East Coast, not sure where that as stand where that stands. But um, in case of some other teams, I don't know particularly. But yeah, there are quarantine rules still going into Canada. Um, I know some. I'm sure some people are abide, abiding by that. Others may not be abiding by it as as much. Um, I, I don't want to call anybody out in particular because I'm not entirely sure. But um, there are rules and, and, and guidelines laid out by governments of where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be doing. And um, there's certain governments that, that enforce it more strictly than others. I know the UK, for instance, is very strict on their um, quarantine rules uh, in terms of COVID um, travel right now. Um, not exactly sure how strict Canada is at this point, but I, that's where I would sort of suspect why some of these Canadian teams still can be in operation or maybe some of them are actually spending a lot more time in the U.S. than you think. Yeah, exactly. I, I suspect it's a lot of the latter and just trying to, to avoid crossing that border if at all possible. But without a doubt, if there are shortcuts to be taken, I'm sure it's been explored by some. And, and then there's the clever solutions to the problem, like we've seen from teams like FAF or, or certainly the AIM side of what was once AIM Vassar Sullivan, uh, they talked about this as well, being forced effectively to, to go and hire a majority U.S.-based crew. So, yeah, there's a couple different approaches to this, and, and some of the teams might be able to, to deal with having crew in quarantine for quite some time. Uh, some of the schedules are, are more allowing for that than others, depending on the series you're talking about and, and what that crew is, member is doing outside of working simply on the race team. But an interesting question and one that um, that definitely is is pressing at the moment for so many of these Canadian-based teams. Well, finally, John, let's look ahead to the weekend. It is going to be incredibly busy just on the sports car side of things, never mind all the other types of racing that will be going on this weekend. We'll have the European Le Mans Series in Barcelona, and along with them, the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Uh, GT World Challenge Europe, the Endurance Cup season opener at Monza, and the associated series there. So GT Sports Club, GT4 European Series, GT2 European Series, Lamborghini Super Trofeo Europe, 
and also the uh, what is now effectively the first round of the NLS after the first scheduled race was canceled. So the first race, but NLS 2, I think, is still the name for it, uh, is going on this weekend. Massively, massively busy weekend in sports car racing, and we might be missing a few things just uh, with that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're, keep an eye on the website because we're going to have a lot of coverage, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Our Dan Lloyd is going to be in Monza, or plans to be in Monza, <laughs> let's just say. Who knows with travel? Oh, yeah. Uh, with COVID travel these days, but um, he'll be uh, planning to be on site for the first round of the Fnatic GT World Challenge Europe season at Monza. And there's, a, I think, a 44-car entry list there, um, over 40 cars um, in Barcelona for ELMS um, as the prologue is going on as we speak. So I think those are the two core series there, but then you can't really discount NLS as you mentioned Ryan um, they're hoping to get their season off weather permitting on Saturday uh, I think it's a, a traditional four-hour race so um, plenty to look forward to lots of coverage um, be sure to keep it tuned to the website all weekend long all right so uh, we'll have plenty to talk about I think it's safe to say on the show next week if you have questions for us or comments Love to hear your thoughts. You can send them our way using the hashtag AskDoubleStint on Twitter, or you can go to sportscar365.com, click on the podcast tab, then go down and select this week's podcast. And at the bottom, there's the comment section. You can leave a question or comment for us uh, for the show next week there as well. We'd love a rating and a review on iTunes if you have a few moments to help us out. But with that said, looking forward to chatting with you next week about sports car racing right here on the Sports Car 365 Double Stint Podcast. 